Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. So if this message had a title, which I was told it had to have a title because we got, you know, internet and God and everybody. So it was On the Road with Innocence is the title of this message. Um, how many of you have ever traveled with Charlie? See that? Like two of us, three of us. All right, four, five. Okay. I would have to say that I've traveled with him several times, but this is the first time I went with him and I was like on assignment, which is a, a little different because I, I thought I was just, I, I went on this trip with like little to no expectation. I initially wanted to just go to the conference. That's what I wanted to do. And then I prayed and said something to Charlie. And he goes, well, you better pray some more because if you're going to go, you need to know what I'm going to do while I'm up there. And um, I was all right. So then the next weekend, he just tells me, you're going. I'm like, okay. So I began to ask God, what was my role? Um, One of the things that we were doing that was important and the reason that Charlie wanted me to go was he was in the midst of healing a 25-year broken relationship with a pastor and his elders. And um, a word had been given to the two pastors at a meeting in November. Prophet called them out, didn't know them very well, didn't know the details, and told them it was God was ready to restore their relationship. So as a result of that meeting, this meeting that we had a week ago Thursday was set up. And um, you don't often see Charlie um, nervous about stuff. You don't often see him kind of out of sorts about it. And what really bugged him the most was God wasn't talking to him about the meeting. God was letting him go, yeah, we still got that. Ooh. Hey, every time I want a bass beat, I just, it's right there. I'm over here. You got honking going on up here this morning, so. But, um, so, we had the meeting on Thursday. So, I'm going to tell, I'm not going to be able to tell this in chronological order because there's things I want to hit first. But, um, I figured we'd get this out of the way first. So, we had the meeting on Thursday night, and it was four of, four of them and two of us. So, I don't know who was David and who was Goliath, but God was in the room before we got there. Hum, hum. I like this. Over here. See, there's a, there's a portal right there. If I stood there long enough, I would leave the room. I would be with Thomas Hurd in Africa. Or I could be with Charlie in Chattanooga. Imagine that. You think you're going to Africa and you end up in Chattanooga, Tennessee with Charlie. Oh, Lord. Raise a hallelujah. He probably has the same thing to say. Not only did I spend five days with Charlie, but Charlie spent five days with Rodney. And for those of you who haven't done that before, there ain't a whole heck of a lot of difference. And we had Pastor Brian Higby up there. And I spent five days with Brian Higby. That 
can be interesting. So Charlie and I went to this meeting and we walked in and there was four of them and two of us and we were a little more unsure, you know, I wouldn't say we were nervous, but we weren't sure. There was nothing to be worried about. We sat down, we talked, the meeting for like the first hour, you would have been so proud of your pastor because he opened up his heart and he asked for forgiveness and he shared from his heart about humility in his life and about things that had happened that I won't go into the details of, but he shared about it and everybody in the room was in receive mode. You know what that means? So one of the things God had told me that I was supposed to do was gauge the room. I was supposed to gauge the atmosphere of the room and I was supposed to remove obstacles if there were any there. I don't know what that meant, but there really weren't any obstacles. The funny thing that happened though was there were two Al's on this leadership team. And one of the Al's, Charlie had had a problem with in the past and really wanted to ask for forgiveness. We felt he was like a hinge pin in the meeting. And so I walk in and I sit down and I'm sitting between these two Al's and the one Al make Louie or Brad or me look small. And I'm sitting next to that Al on a love seat. And then there's little Al, little older Al over here. I don't know which Al is the one that Charlie has an issue with. I'm sitting there going, hmm, praying, thinking, praying, thinking, no clue. This guy next to me, he don't look that happy. Like maybe it's him. So then about, I don't know, like halfway through that first hour, it, was, came, it became obvious through something someone said that it was this guy over here. And I was like, oh, good. It's not the guy I'm sitting next to because he could hurt me. <laughs> And now I'm friends with him on Facebook, and I realize he can shoot me, too, because he's got guns all over his Facebook page, which means I kind of like the guy. And um, so we get to about an hour into this meeting, and the other pastor, Pastor Matt, says, you know how like, you got a discussion going, and you can tell you're at a point? Like, what are we supposed to do now? Pastor Matt goes, well, where do we go from here? And he goes, well, Rodney, what do you think? I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. You're either going to step in it or step off of it, one or the other. And I said, well, I think God wants to use your testimony of the restoration of your relationship to bring restoration in this region. And I think, you know, what's happening here is definitely of God. And um, others shared. It was at that point that Charlie asked, Elder Al for his forgiveness, and it was given immediately. Um, and Al said something to Charlie about him, and this is someone, these, the pastor and this Al have known Charlie for 25 years, I guess. And one of the other gentlemen in the room, maybe not quite that long, and then the big guy sitting next to me, not as long as any of them. And um, it's Al, he says, you know, you used to come up here and you were so bold and arrogant and I didn't see any of that today. All I saw was humility and you asked for forgiveness 
And I, I see a changed man. I see someone different than the last person I saw here. And that's made a big impression on me. So we left the meeting. <laughs> it's cold outside. It's like eight degrees. Go to the truck. We rented a truck, too. That was cool. No running boards. It needed running boards. It was a little high up. <laughs> I love my running boards. And um, we go out the truck and we go, what just happened? And we go, I don't know. God must have wanted this to work. And so at that point, I started sharing something with him that took all weekend to put together. And he said, I said, well, Charlie, when your humility is greater than your boldness, God can expand the kingdom. So that was the first part of this. He was like, Rodney, that wasn't you. Did you type that in a text and send it to me? <laughs> I'm like, I know it wasn't me. So when my humility is greater than my boldness, I can expand the kingdom. I want you to hold on to that because we built on this over the course of the weekend. So we had our meeting. We, we uh, kind of went back to Charlie's sisters and had a debrief. And um, that was like the beginning of the governmental part of the weekend. And um, I knew, because God had already told me, that the success of the whole weekend rode on that meeting. So God was already... We had nothing to do with this. Timing was God's, and God was ready to move in that region. So now I want to step back to flying up on a plane with Charlie. Cause, so we're, we're flying on the plane, and we've got empty seat between us, and both got our headphones on. We're both doing our own thing, because I told him I don't like to talk to people on the plane. He's like, good, i got to write my book. And he's over there on his keys, banging out his book. I'm studying, praying. I had a question. I turned to him. I look at him, and he is bawling like a waterfall, and he's typing. He looks up at me, and I look at him, and he goes, he just shook his head and smiled, and I just shook my head and smiled, and all I did was reach over and grab his hand for a minute. I was like, my questions can wait. So he was typing a chapter. He's writing a book on innocence, and he was typing a chapter, and he was really reflecting a on his mother's death and some things that had happened. So he just had opened up his heart. So when there were a few minutes later when he wasn't balling and we could talk, I said, give me like your key scriptures about innocence. So he gave me three. And we're going to talk about them a little bit this morning. But out of that came a better understanding for me I don't know where you are in all of this innocence message stuff. You've heard him preach it. If you were here, he preached three messages. I've heard two of them, I think. Um, other people have taken his message and are preaching it. I will tell you that. In Texas, in Oklahoma, it's caught on. The Holy Spirit is using this. So I was like, you know, I've received it, chewed on it, but... As Charlie would tell you, it isn't yours until you will give it away. And I hadn't done that. So before we went on the trip, I thought all that through. And you don't, some of you don't know the pastor that we were going to spend time with, Randy Hughes, 
who is, runs this Koinea Center up there where we were having the conference on the weekend. But we have history with Randy. I have history with Randy. Charlie has history with Randy. Charlie and Randy's relationship has been restored. It was a broken relationship out of infidelity in a marriage. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but Charlie was involved with both halves of that marriage. So they had a, him and Susie had a lot invested. And Randy has repented, and he's married and has a kid was the woman that he had the affair with. And this all happened up there in the midst of him trying to do ministry. So you can imagine what that did to his efforts to do ministry in that region. And by the way, Charlie's the one who brought him up there and put him in place. So Charlie and Randy have had restoration, repentance, and Charlie in November at that same conference declared him innocent. And it ruffled some feathers when he did it. He did it publicly in the room, and then he preached the message on innocence. So I'm here, and I'm thinking, I got issues with him that I haven't dealt with. And I got paper. You ever heard Charlie say that? I got paper? You know what that means? You either got like a written list in your head. You might literally have paper. I had paper. 2015, I wrote the letter to him that told him he could no longer sit on, his board, on our board because of his actions. I had to remove him from the board. I was doing my job, but I had paper. So I already decided I wanted to talk to Charlie about this, and I didn't do it until, I don't know if we were on the plane or we we're up there driving around or something. And I said, you know, I said, if he's innocent, then the reason that we kicked him off the board no longer exists. And if I'm going to believe this message and be a part of it, I want to offer him the opportunity to come back on the board. I can't put him back on the board because the board has to decide that, but I could mentor that endeavor. Charlie goes, well, that's huge. If you want to pray into that, go ahead. So Friday morning, I had the opportunity while we were with Randy to talk to him about this. He goes, man, he goes, you were just doing your job. I don't have any ought with you. I go, well, that's okay. This needs to be dealt with. And I said, now, I don't know if you want to do this. And you don't have to answer me right now, but I want you to know if you do, the opportunity is there and I will present you back to the board. And so I did my, I did my innocence thing. I didn't just do it to check a block either. I'll tell you what it did do though. <laughs> Made me realize I got a few other people I need to do that with who before then weren't in my mind. So what is innocence? It's a mystery. I'm going to share with you a couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians 4.1. These are all from the Passion Translation, so we're not going to put them up there. So then you must perceive us, not as leaders of factions, but as servants of the anointed ones, those who have been entrusted with God's mysteries. The most important quality of one entrusted with such secrets is that they are faithful and trustworthy. Pastor Charlie has been entrusted with the mystery of the baptism of innocence. The last weekend, so was I, and it became real to me. My prayer is that as you engage it, it will become real to you as well. So I asked him for some scriptures, and he gave me three. So Ephesians 1.4. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. 
been a long time. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. And then 2 Peter 1.9. But if anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence, for his past sins have been washed away. So, turn that verse around. Open your eyes to the mysteries of our faith and remember your innocence. So, where did the innocence come from? It came from Jesus on the cross. And this is what he said. It's Luke 23, 34. While they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over, Father, Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I think so many times we just stop at forgive them. But the innocence message is in those other words, for they don't know what they're doing. So if you didn't know what you were doing, correct? Does that, then, does that make sense to you? Do you see it? Because it doesn't say because they're innocent. It's not clear. It's implied. So right there is where we believe the opportunity for the baptism of innocence began. So who was Jesus talking to? Now remember, if you step back a verse, the thieves are there. And he told one of them, you'd be in paradise with me today. The other one he didn't say much to. So was his audience the thieves? Because he just says here, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Maybe the thieves didn't know what they were doing. Maybe that message is just for the thieves. What about... The next verse, the soldiers gambled for and tore his clothes. Was it for them? And then if you go and read a little on further, what about everybody that stood around the cross and didn't do nothing to stop it? Is it for them? Or is it bigger than that? Well, I can tell you, I would first say yes, yes, and yes. But it's bigger than that. Because Jesus didn't just die on the cross for those people that were standing there. We know that, right? He did it for, for all of us who weren't even there yet. So the innocence message is for all believers. That's a key. That's a key that Charlie kind of uncovered last week while we were up there. It, it's not something that he was carrying before last weekend. But the innocence message is for believers. And an innocence message is for a believer who has asked for forgiveness and repented from that which you are about to hold them innocent to. If that hasn't happened, or if the person is still practicing the thing that you're going to ask, declare them innocent of, then they're not innocent. So this isn't... And I will tell you, because I saw it, this is harder for, if the person is really personally involved with the issue of innocence with the other person, I think this is harder for the person to give than it is for the person to receive. Uh, I met some friends of Charlie's while I was up there, and I, I knew, I knew one, one couple. And these people had a lot invested with the other side of this broken relationship. And they were very close friends to the ex-wife. 
So you can imagine the hurt that they hold. You can imagine the hurt that they hold. So I saw it, and I'm like, well, they ain't ready for this. Their hearts aren't ready for it. I also don't think it is something that ever should be rushed. Innocence is a point in a relationship because I believe that by declaring someone innocent, and it doesn't have to be something so grave as infidelity. That just happens to be the example we're using. But if, if, if I'm not ready to do it, then my heart's not prepared, and it doesn't matter. If I do do it, I'm going to be fake. So you genuinely have to have seen repentance in the person you're going to get pronounced the innocence over, and you have to have accepted that and received it in your heart. I can tell you, if you step into it and you're not quite prepared, but you're almost prepared, God will finish it. God will take your heart over. I do believe if you're not ready, you can't fake this. Because I saw a couple that wasn't ready, and they were like, they were struggling with it. So, those three scriptures allowed me to kind of like take a hold of this. So, I don't, know, I don't know if you have not taken a hold of this yet. And if you have, great, you're, you were ahead of me. If you're still struggling with it, I want you to go and dig. I want you to go read those three scriptures. And then the other thing I did was, because this happened on the cross... I took that Luke 23, 34 as the first verse where Jesus spoke while he was being nailed to the cross. And then I went and read every red letter until he said it was finished from all four Gospels. Because that's your conversation that Jesus had on the cross. So if you want to collectively hear his experience, that's the way to do it. And we don't usually do that. So... Find those scriptures, take the time, and read them that way, and you'll see, I think you'll see a little more. I, I saw things that I'm not sharing this morning that didn't necessarily have anything to do with the innocence message, but there's a very powerful dialogue that Christ had with the world at a time when he was doing the biggest thing he ever would do in his life. So... I got to see... Uh, I'm going to transition here a little bit. I got to see the regional side of Charlie very well. And, you know, we've all heard him talk about New York, New York, New York, till Gary's blue in the face. We've heard him talk about New York. Well, I never understood the family tie. Does anybody in here know the family tie to New York for Charlie? You do. His mother was born in Hornell, New York. I did not, I've known, you know how long I've known Charlie. I didn't know this. I guess it just never came up. So I'm like, oh. So now I get it. Part of what he's doing up there is defending his mother's honor and defending what she saw and what she did in the spirit up there because she did a lot. So got to move in some of that, got to see that, got to be involved in it. My role was a once I got there at Randy's, I, I, I told him, I said, we got the same spiritual father, so I'm here as your brother. How can I help you? I ran a soundboard all weekend. I haven't run a soundboard in a while. But a good thing was it was an old one, so it could do it. And I didn't just run a soundboard. I apostolically lifted up the praise and worship team. 
and we have four people on our praise and worship team, <clears throat> excuse me, that didn't play together. And one of them was an artist who usually only played alone. There were no reverb divas. My sister in the back. Um, there was a bass player who had some issues, but um, we got over them. Usually bass players have like no issues, you know? This guy had, he wanted the, he wanted the monitors just right, you know? You would like him. He was good. You would, you would have liked, you would have, he had played a six string too. And he had the bottom two strings strung to play like a guitar. It was interesting. So Friday night, you know, it's like the who's who of the zoo in that part of the world. And everybody's there. And I think 25 to 20% of them were there to see if this was real. Because this was Randy's first step out in ministry since he had fallen. So the place was packed. They had to get more chairs out. And we didn't know if anybody was going to show up. We knew people were going to show up. So then Saturday was all day sessions. And, and there was fewer people there like there would be at any conference. And then Saturday night to close. This is how I know that there was probably 25% of the people or 20% of the people that were there to just see. They didn't come back on Saturday night. Fine. God moved powerfully. God connected the messages. God revealed the next step beyond innocence. Childlikeness. Innocence is one of the qualities of childlikeness. And Pastor Joel and Pastor Brian, both in their messages, spoke on that. And Higby dialed it in and could actually tell you the difference between don't think of child, childishness when you think of childlikeness. There's a difference. And I, I got to be honest with you, I can't talk it. I, I listened and I was like, ooh, give me another example of childlikeness. So one of my study challenges is to try to find childlikeness in the scriptures and learn about it so I could articulate it. Um, so going on with boldness and humility. Next thing that came was the knowledge that transparency is the wall between boldness and humility. Without transparency, there is no real connection between the two. And then this morning in the prayer room, you guys mentioned false humility. If you stay hidden in your false humility, your boldness will never emerge. And then the last piece we got was, and Charlie and I kind of got this one together, godless boldness is arrogance. So if you put it all together, when my humility is greater than my boldness, then I can expand the kingdom. Transparency is the wall between boldness and humility. And if you stay hidden in your false humility, your boldness will never emerge. Godless boldness is arrogance. So, what do we do with all that? How does it fit in our day-to-day -day lives? How does it fit corporately? God is doing this. 
This is not a Charlie thing. Please understand that. If Charlie wouldn't have picked up on this, God would have given it to somebody else. Because the timing right now on this, just like the timing in that region thing, was huge. So, God wants us to become childlike. And without the innocence piece, we can't do it. There are other pieces to becoming childlike. But without innocence, you can't do it. So, the first step in this is to receive the baptism of innocence. Now, I watched Charlie Coker walk around a room on Saturday night, on Friday night, and kiss 150 people on the cheek. And in the truck on the way back to the hotel, I said, you better wash your lips when you get back to the hotel room. <laughs> so I'd be glad to kiss anybody on the cheek that has never received this baptism. But I want you to be ready to understand. I want you to understand it before you receive it. Um, I want it to be something that you personally grab a hold of. And I think some of you in the room already have done that. So if there is anyone who hasn't and wants to, I would be glad to pray with you and, and give you that. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.